Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thank you for joining this Pop Talk episode with brother of the show, Trey, and best friend of the show, Rob. It's a special late night comedy talk show host bracket episode. We talk some other things, but that is the meat of this episode, the late night talk. So let's just get right to it. Here's my chat with Trey and Rob. First time we're doing a Pop Talk episode that has two people on, and we're all remote in our location. So we'll start with brother of the show. He is in Los Angeles. Say hello. Hello, Gracie. Uh, (laughs) And then also we have from Minneapolis right now, best friend of the show, Rob McNabb. I like it because we're we're hitting all quadrants. We're getting East Coast, West Coast, and Mid Coast. Yeah, so, yeah, we yeah. are. We're doing it. <laughs> we're bridging the gap. Now, are, are your oh, other go friends going to be mad that you called Rob the best friend of the show? No. So well, any best friend of the show is a best friend of the show. Uh, but I'm so, best friend of the show. That's weird. It's weird. But I like they're like a best friend. I'm the best friend. We need like a battle to the death to see who's the true best friend of the show. <laughs> I, I I'm I'm for it. I'm for it. <laughs> or like can we do no maybe not like more like um the 70s like battle of the network stars <laughs> like me and gabe kaplan like seeing if we could do the breaststroke faster than Tony Daniel. <laughs> like oh judith light's coming in fast with the butterfly <laughs> and we're showing why you guys have been brought in because you have the pop culture knowledge. And it should be stated that the three of us did go down as News Team 4 for the World Series of Pop Culture show that was on VH1 like 15 years ago or something yeah. ridiculous like yeah. that. Um, and uh, we got beat, but we were like top, what, 40 in the country out of yeah. 100? <laughs> top 40. That, that ain't that, bad. That does make it sound better. Well, there was a lot of people in that room when we took the test. Yeah, that's true. And we got through that round, and then we just got beat by those guys who knew everything about everything. I mean, if it was honestly, I still contend that if it wasn't like one at a time and then you're eliminated by whoever, if it was like group to group, buzz in or something, right. Because Rob knew everyone's answers (laughs) our (laughs) answers, their answers. We would have wiped the floor with people. Uh, I, know, I, remember I, just... be- I remember before we drove down, uh, I just said something random about, I think, The Simpsons or some knowledge of some random thing about, I think it was The Simpsons. And you and Rob just looked at each other like, oh, we're going to win this thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we drove down with so much confidence. And then we, we drove our, back with like none. 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 Yeah. We were heartbroken. It's it's we were like we were like the the Duke basketball uh, that year where we should have won but then somehow we lost in the, the <laughs> round the first round so yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. but we did meet that one uh, group of, of guys that we thought were cool uh, dudes of plenty that was the oh, team yeah, name right. in a re- in reference to a late night with Conan O'Brien bit. 
Um, mm. So wrapping it into the main subject of today, anyway. Yes. So. <laughs> uh, so the last couple of topics that we're talking about are late night talk shows, and we have a new, a brand new bracket. I've been talking for probably a year about doing a late night talk show host bracket. I finally put it together because it seemed like the time to do it. And we're also going to talk about what we've been binge watching during this quarantine, but we're going to start off talking about the Prince tribute. Many of you know last Tuesday was the Prince tribute that CBS did, and they they recorded that the night of the Grammys. Basically, they've done this before. They did it with the Beatles and some other people. And that's what they did with Prince this year. And last Tuesday was the fourth anniversary of his passing. And they had an all-out group. I mean, this really, mm-hmm. uh, they really brought in a lot of really solid people to do this. Uh, I do wish John Mayer was there, of course. But uh, they did have a lot of really good people. I am glad Foo Fighters were involved since uh, they have yes. one of the classic Prince covers. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, it, it we were texting each other. We're like, is this really happening? Is yeah. This, are we really hearing Darling Nikki on <laughs> network television? And I'm just, I mean, I'm aghast. I'm just yeah. Like, One of the things <laughs> that I failed miserably in was trying to predict what the songs were going to yeah. be. But then I <laughs> immediately realized how difficult it was going to be because I was like, what songs could you possibly do? Uh, there's so many different songs. And then also my experience with Prince music is I like a lot of weird deep cuts that I just wasn't sure if anyone would have been aware enough of to put in a tribute show like this. But when yeah. I saw Foo Fighters was listed, I was like, I know that they do an amazing cover of Darling Nikki that is true to them and true to the original. But there's no way they're going to do a song where the first lyric involves... <laughs> masturbating with a magazine i just that's a lyric and they did it and it wasn't bleeped and i have no idea what's happening in 2020 now (laughs) no it's it's i I appreciated too how dave grohl explained the the song they were gonna do it's like uh you know i don't think prince really liked it we haven't done it in 15 years uh so let's do it you know i wanted to like disagree i was like i always thought the prince liked it because when he did best of you during the super bowl right i thought that was kind of a nod to that's what i thought too i'll just run through all of the different artists and the songs they did Mm -hmm. and then uh, we'll go one at a time and just talk about what we thought overall not like of each guest but who were the highlights who were the lowlights? They started the night off with Let's Go Crazy, and that was her and Gary Clark Jr. Miguel mm-hmm. then did I Would Die For You, John, Le- my favorite Prince song. John Legend did Nothing Compares To You. St. Vincent did Controversy. Juan S. Mm-hmm. did 1999. Her and Misty Copeland did Beautiful Ones, and Misty Copeland was, of course, dancing during that. Usher did a medley. This was the medley that was on the Grammy telecast. And that was uh, Little Red Corvette, When Doves Cry, Kiss. And Chris Martin and Susanna Huffs of uh, the Bengals did Manic Monday. And uh, for some people may not realize that Prince wrote that song for the Bengals. Oh, um, oh yeah. he wrote it for Susanna. He, he, wrote, it, he wrote it. Yeah, he was dating Susanna. <laughs> yeah, he wrote it for her. He was like, I'll give you, you a hit remember, if you date me. You remember that VH1 show, Pop-Up Videos? Yeah, I remember, I have a story about this, too. Pop-Up Videos, yeah, for the audience I, who doesn't I, know, I, Pop-Up Videos was a show on VH1 where they would show vi- music videos, but throughout the music video, they would pop up with little factoids about the making of the song or, or 
just like rumors about the song, whatever. Trey, tell your story about watching the video for that yeah, song so during pop-up video. I watched an episode where they talked about Manic Monday, and then the, near the beginning, they said, oh, and Prince wrote this song, and blah, blah, blah. And I, at that point in time, they were talking about late 90s, so I didn't know that detail until I saw the episode and I was excited to have learned that. And it's immediately after learning it, I was like, Oh, that totally sounds like Prince. Of course he wrote it. And so then a little while later, I'm seeing that episode in the dorm with a group of friends. And so as the video starts playing, I'm like, Oh, and I just learned on this show that Prince wrote this song. <laughs> and apparently pop-up videos was notorious for having like multiple versions of these episodes. Yes. And so like all of a sudden in this version they credited someone else for writing. It, I don't even remember. They didn't credit someone else. They credited the pseudonym Prince wrote the song under. Oh. Cuz he had a few pseudonyms. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't Jamie Starr. Uh, I forget the exact uh, pseudonym he wrote that one under, and I can look it up real quick. But did you say that they all looked at you like... Yeah, everybody just stopped and looked at me like, you fool. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about, Prince wrote this? <laughs> I'm like, I swear, that's what it said. <laughs> that's hysterical to me. Yeah, and so, your defense, Trey, I think I saw that episode where it said, Prince wrote the song. So I think that's where I learned it too. So It was under his pseudonym yeah. Christopher. Uh just so so uh, you know, it was under that. So when it it popped up in that episode it just said Christopher. <laughs> and they were like, "No, maybe <laughs> Prince wrote that." Yeah, whatever. Why would they have a version where they correctly say it's Prince and then another version where they credit the pseudonym? What the it hell? It would be kind of it's funny. I could control. see Prince finding out about the them crediting Prince and him saying like, "Nah, Christopher wrote that song. Change that. I could see that happening. Yeah. Well, it's like Garth Brooks and Chris Gaines. <laughs> Don't you call better, them the same person. Chris Gaines. Uh, <laughs> so just to finish out the lineup of the night, uh, the time did a medley of their hits. Oh, amazing. Then uh, Foo Fighters did uh, Darling Nikki, as we mentioned. Earth, Wind, and Fire did Adore. Common mm -hmm. and Sheila E. did Sign of the Times. Beck did Raspberry Beret. And Gary Clark Jr. came back out and did The Cross. Sheila E. did America and Glamorous Life. Princess, which is uh, Maya Rudolph's uh, homage group to Prince. And The Revolution did Delirious. And then Mavis Staples and The Revolution did Purple Rain. And then in Everyone Jam did Baby I'm a Star. So everyone came out and did Baby I'm a Star. We'll start with you, Trey. What were the highs and lows for the telecast for you? I wouldn't necessarily say anything was a low. Uh, I think that... Mm -hmm. You know, the, the touted duet between Chris Martin and Susanna Hoffs didn't feel like a duet. Um, that's that's the only thing I would say about that one. Uh, it was more like Chris Martin was the background singer. But <laughs> but Susanna Hoffs did a great job with it, and it was a nice kind of remix to uh, the original version. I love Raspberry Beret like you do. Beck, to me, didn't sound like a perfect match for that. Mm. But... Um, but I still think he did well. It just didn't, to my ear, uh, didn't it wasn't a perfect match. But I thought everything else was great. I, I saw on social media where people were making fun of John Legend 
and his performance, <laughs> I, I think mostly because of, uh, they didn't Shirtless. say this explicitly, but I think it's his outfit. Like yeah, no, that was entirely <laughs> what it was. <laughs> uh, but, but I not, love the Not even Chrissy Rudolph... Teigen wants to see him shirtless. Like, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, that's just not what yeah, we so want from babyface John Legend. Uh, so somebody posted uh, when pigeons fly, when, <laughs> when John Legend was <laughs> performing. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> um, but but I loved uh, Maya Rudolph performing as Princess. Mm-hmm. That that was great. Uh, I didn't know what to make of Mavis Staples because uh, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't sure what to expect with with her doing it. But I mm-hmm. thought she did uh, an excellent job. I thought she killed it. Uh, a couple of people who I wished we would have seen in there were Sheena Easton and Shaka Khan. Yeah. Mm. Really good point because her "I Feel for You" people don't realize is a cover song. Prince originally mm-hmm. did that song on his first or second album, and he produced her version of the song. So yeah, why mm-hmm. was she not there? I mean, and it's fair for her to step back and say like, "I can't. It's just too hard." I could understand that, but if they didn't even ask her, then somebody made a huge mistake there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you have a high point song? There wasn't one by itself. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I kind of named some of the high points, like Maya Rudolph and Mavis mm-hmm. Staples. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole special was great, even though I kind of mm-hmm. mentioned a couple that I didn't think were perfect matches. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was great in a way that I, I wouldn't know how to single somebody out above somebody else. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Rob, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I was really impressed with her, especially yeah. both performances. I, I really thought that she kind of took... You know, on a guitar sense, I thought she blew Gary Clark out of the water, and I felt like she should have just gotten to do the whole solo. <laughs> so, yeah, I I'm a yeah. fan of Gary Clark Jr., but you and Jim are not into him. No, no I, I I think he was a a good choice for the cross. Yeah, I thought, I thought was, so that, too. That kind of fit him, um, but I didn't think he really should have been on. I think it should have just been her on um, that. I you know I was really impressed with Juanes. Um, mm-hmm. My wife really mm-hmm. likes him. And uh, I was, yeah, I was. I really was impressed with him, with him too. His his Wait, vocal then, styling really, yeah. really matched the matched. original. I I love I love John Legend, um, but I really felt like, and this is kind of where I'm going to disagree with Trey because I really felt like Mavis kind of paint by numbers, Purple Rain. I felt one, we kind of texted. It looked like she was looking on a teleprompter for the lyrics. Yeah, she lost some of the lyrics later. Yeah, and um, I felt like she would have been much better at Nothing Compares to You. Mm. Especially oh, when you yeah. think about how Prince does it. I thought she would yeah. kill that. And I think, yeah, I mean, you could have put anybody really on Purple Rain. Um, but mm. maybe, you know, probably John Legend could have could have done pretty well with that one. When I saw um, that she was involved, yeah. I knew she was going to do Purple Rain. But yeah, I completely agree that I think yeah. she... And I see because it's... No, nothing Compares to You and Purple Rain are both Prince songs that you can go to church on. And yes. both yeah. of those singers go to church. You know, John yes. Legend made sense with Nothing Compares to You, but the way it ended up coming out, I was sort of like, he sounds fine, but mm-hmm. um, I I would have preferred him to do uh, How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore. Oh, yeah, that would have been good. Uh, Philip Bailey is a national treasure. Yeah. And, I mean, I love Earth, Wind & Fire so much. Mm-hmm. And he just doesn't have a into his register he can hit any note humanly possible and i mean doing that door it was so good 
And it really showed how good of a vocalist Prince was to have him sing that song. Yeah. And it was just amazing, like both to hear him sing it and to realize how great of a song it was that Prince did. Mm -hmm. And it was it was one of, just another one of those just like, man, like what a just even more of a tragedy when you get to realize how good of a songwriter and singer he was. Um, yeah. I, I was also really impressed with um, with just the revolution in general. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. Yeah. So good. Um, but I, I didn't know Wendy was that good. And On guitar? she nailed she did Purple Rain solo almost darn near note for note yeah like, and i yeah and that's a solo i play all the time so i was yeah. waiting for i was waiting for it to be mediocre and i was like uh completely me too'd on that one because apparently uh, <laughs> i'm like every guitar player on the internet think that women are good or something because <laughs> good lord she nailed it and so i, I was really impressed with her um i liked uh saint vincent but i feel really bad for her because she ain't got no pants so. <laughs> yeah i mean i guess she was sort of uh, keeping in uh yeah, in the vein was. of uh prince's yeah. i mean and she was maybe wearing slightly more than he was when he recorded yeah. controversy <laughs> yeah she but she she did a good job with it i like saint vincent she's mm -hmm. very interesting she is yeah uh, I, I didn't do the joke to you because i wanted to save it for this but usher just reminded me he truly is a triple threat, singing, <laughs> acting, dancing. Uh, that's a deep cut uh, reference a to cut. a uh, VMA performance hey, where I was like, it, it was really? during my era of not really liking Usher because I thought he yeah. seemed pretentious. And he came out to uh, introduce <laughs> some act uh, and he's like, you know, I'm known as a triple threat, you know, singing. Dancing, it, acting, acting. acting. And I was oh, like, man, nobody it. knows you for acting. <laughs> he was in like one thing. I remember you quoting that for a while. I didn't know you quoted it to your friends too, but I remember you oh, talking uh, trash yeah, about that. Yeah. Oh, I think oh, if Rob might have been the first person to hear me make fun of that. Yeah, we might have been watching that together. We might have uh, been, yeah. Just a couple more things. Just I know we kind of mentioned her, but she like. I think Sheila E. might be, as good as The Revolution is, I think she might be his his best protege and probably his best ambassador. Mm -hmm. I was just really impressed with her not, you know, being the musical director and understanding his music and mm -hmm. being able to get it out there that way. Mm -hmm. um, she just has a love for Prince that's so deep, and it was so apparent in her performance, and it was she was so good, and yeah. she did such a good job. They seem to stay friends longer and really keep a relationship in ways yeah. that maybe his other protégés didn't. Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and she might, and, and it might be because honestly, she might be the most talented of them. I mean, yeah. and I think he might, you know, he always kind of considered himself a drummer first and then all the other instruments mm. when, and that's what Morris Day talks about too. Yeah. About how good I, of a drummer it's it's and, so interesting to hear yeah. that because I have heard mm -hmm. sort of things like that, but then I've also heard him say that with the piano. Like his piano mm -hmm. was his first love. So I don't, you know, it's, yeah. but mm -hmm. he is a really good drummer. That irresistible bitch drum mm -hmm. solo is unreal. He is one is. of my, he's favorite guitarist. He's my favorite vocalist. And he is maybe mm -hmm. top three drummer, you know, like yeah. that's how, that's how good Prince is. <laughs> and you're right in that, like this, uh, mm -hmm. this night really showcased all of the different things about him and, and what all we lost and just how incredibly talented he was, because you're right. Yeah. Philip Bailey being able to uh, like Philip Bailey hitting these notes shows how good Prince was. If he could sing that, those notes. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then you also think of the songs, the other songs that were on that night 
that Philip Bailey couldn't do, but Prince mm-hmm. could. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Unreal exactly. talent. Unreal talent. Mm-hmm. And um uh yeah. Uh, did you have any other highlights that you wanted to mention just, before I just, jump into my thoughts? Uh oh yeah, I mean just a, a highlight of me was seeing Deion Sanders partying with Craig Robinson. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you texted me like, who yeah. are the people who are at this? And I think Justina said the same thing. And I was yeah. like, yeah, who is this a-hole standing by the stage on his cell phone wearing a Kobe Bryant number eight jersey? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah it was some crazy. guy just stands like, who is this guy? Why is he yeah. this close to the stage just uh, looking at his phone? Yeah. And then I think I agreed with you when we were texting. Beck Beck should have done um, I Want to Be Your Lover. Oh, gosh. Because, like, one of the songs that got me into Beck was uh, Peaches and Cream. Mm-hmm. And it is a very princey song. And then, um, was it Deborah? What's the Deborah. song? I want to get with you. With you. And you'll say I think the name's Deborah. Yeah, um, Deborah. These songs are so princey. Maybe he couldn't do that live. Maybe. But. If he could, then yeah. I mean, I want to be your lover would have been great. Yeah. So, uh, Raspberry Beret is just like I got a, such a soft spot in my heart for that mm-hmm. song, and I was like, okay, you know what? I'm I'm down with Beck doing it. I thought it was like good, not great. Mm-hmm. I w- I would have liked to have seen something because you know for me I you know I grew up liking Prince, but really my my love started with Musicology. Mm-hmm. And you know that definitely the ninety or, or two thousand three two thousand four era when he kind of had his big comeback, and mm-hmm. I, w- I would have liked to have heard something from Musicology just because that's an album that just means so much to me, mm-hmm. and it, it would have been cool to hear something from the newer, I would consider like a newer song or even some of the other ones. Mm-hmm. I know it's not as familiar, but Musicology was a hit. I I, w- I would have liked to have seen that and maybe had someone like Candy Dolfer come back and play on it. Yeah, um, would have been kind of cool to see. Yeah, so my highlights, well, I'll start with my lowlights. My lowlights are that Questlove wasn't there, D'Angelo wasn't there, um, and I mentioned John Mayer not being there, but I really more so would have wanted D'Angelo there, Mm -hmm. and even if, like, Andre Benjamin could have done a little something, like, that would have been nice, and Alicia Keys, Mm -hmm. because those two, like, Alicia Keys and Outkast inducted Prince into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. And they talked about the impact that he had on them. Also, Janelle mm-hmm. Monet would have been great to see there. So there, yeah. my lowlights were that those people weren't involved somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, but the highlights were like Earth, Wind, and Fire doing a door, and um, that moment with Darling Nikki was just so bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, Delirious was great, and Purple Rain, the guitar solo in Purple Rain, great. Those were highlights to me. And, um, you know, I, I, I really appreciated the night overall. Um, it mm-hmm. was, does it, how does it compare to the BET Prince tribute when Prince was still living? I think because Prince curated that one, that one beats this one. But mm. what this one beats that one in is that this showcases more of him than that one could. And, uh, and I think this was great. One thing that the special kind of reinvigorated is just how much of an impact Prince had to me. Because when, mm-hmm. if you had asked me even a week before Prince passed away who my favorite artist was, I, I might have said Michael Jackson. I might I don't know who I would have said. But I had a much stronger reaction to Prince passing than I did to Michael passing. Mm-hmm. And, and it kind of made me realize 
how much Prince's music uh, affected me and, and how much more I loved it. Like there are certain songs of Michael that I still love, but I don't <laughs> think it, I don't think he hit me in the same way that Prince did. And it similar in a way, it's similar to Kobe Bryant in the sense mm-hmm. that I, I think a lot of people didn't realize uh, how how big of a part of their lives these particular figures were until they were gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if, I mean, for as much as people always talked about how great Prince was, in a way, he was still underrated. Yeah, uh, just just because of the era he grew up in and who got there, more press and stuff like that. There are yeah. so many times where people ask me, like, "Who's your favorite guitar player?" I say, "Oh, Prince," and they're like, "Really?" Mm-hmm. And all they can think of is, you know, just like him and assless chaps. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> right. You know, that's more. He's more than that. I mean, yeah. he is that, and that's what makes him awesome. But he's also, you know, a yeah. phenomenal, phenomenal guitar player. <laughs> but it's this, and, the story yeah. I, I, a story I heard uh, that's been repeated a lot when after Prince passed was someone going up to Eric Clapton and saying, "How does it feel being the best oh, guitarist well, in the world?" This and, I'm gonna. I'm sorry to. <laughs> Interrupt oh, you and burst your bubble. That story that has real... been told with so many different names. Oh. People take oh, that. Really? Yeah. I've heard a few different names that Eric Clapton responded with. And I've also heard mm-hmm. that it was they asked Jimi Hendrix. And he said, I don't know, ask Phil Keggy. And Eric Clapton said, I don't know, ask Prince. Or I don't know, ask Jimi Hendrix. Uh, I don't know, mm-hmm. ask. It, it's people are, you know. Oh, well. <laughs> That's well, it's still believable because of how great Prince was. Yeah, yeah, you look, absolutely. you look at him. In, well, well, when you the, look at if you watch the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, yeah. and it's like Eric Clapton, you did a solo. Um, let me do a solo that's yours times one thousand <laughs> live. And like he threw the <laughs> guitar up in the air, the air and felt like it never came down. Yeah, <laughs> like, and then he strutted off the stage like stage. a pimp. <laughs> and I'll tell one more story. I, I this my mom one time. We were listening to Prince, and she didn't realize it was Prince, but um, his solo for wow, Why You Want to Treat Me So Bad came on. And she was like, oh, is that, was that a song you recorded? And I'm like, no, Mom. I've spent my entire life copying that solo. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I get it now. Like, she yeah. didn't get it. And like she heard that song, and she was like, oh, now I get it. Like, this is what you want to sound like. I'm like, yeah. yeah. One time when I started to feel old, I was still in my mid to late 30s. Uh, I was at work with a group of friends, and one of my coworkers came in with pictures from her trip to Vegas. And she's like, oh, and this is when we did such and such and blah, blah, blah. And then here is this dessert we had. It was raspberry sorbet. And I just started going, raspberry sorbet. And she just looked at me like, what are you talking about? Oh <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. Do you no. not know Prince? That's <laughs> <laughs> hysterical. Well, Prince, yeah. we miss you. All-time great. Yes. Uh, now, let's talk about other things we were watching. The quarantine yeah. watch slash binge list. I'll start off mm-hmm. this time. We never. I had never seen The Wire. I'd been hearing for years that mm-hmm. I need to see The Wire. Uh, we watched that, and it was great. Uh, it, it, it pretty much holds up to all the hype but uh fourth season is the greatest season third season Mm -hmm. is the second greatest then it is one five two but five only squeaks out two i don't care what anybody says that says like five is uh, one of the best five is one of the worst bottom Mm. two not much better two is not as bad as people say it is and five is not as good as people say it is but 
five is a little better than two. Yeah. And then I've also we just started watching Barry. And uh, oh uh, man, I didn't know you hadn't watched Barry. Yeah, we're watching Barry one second season. We love it. It's great. It's so so amazing. It's made me learn a lot of make a lot more connections with comedy and how that works and how people uh, deal with characters now in in more socially conscious ways, maybe or at least addressing realities a little bit more than people did before i mean honestly i even took it all the way back to the three stooges because Mm -hmm. the three stooges were beating each other up and no one ever said like why are they beating like they're kind of bad people right (laughs) that's never addressed right it's just like funny and on this show you have real violence and real comedy it's not a drama that puts itself in the comedy category because it has a quirky character. It is like true comedy through and through with a lot of amazing performances. Henry Winkler is amazing. Another goat. But they are also addressing in a realistic way, like, is this guy a good person? Like, that is what, that is the <laughs> central thing of that show. And it's really, really great. And uh, music-wise, I've, I have watched a good bit of Ben Gibbard's at-home concerts and uh, John Mayer's uh, Instagram show that he does on Sunday mm-hmm. nights. Rob, what has been your binge and watch list? <laughs> um, so I finally got around to getting Disney Plus, and you know I was kind of like, all right, whatever, The Mandalorian, whatever, <laughs> whatever, you know. And I was, I've been kind of my my love of big tentpole things is kind of getting frayed, I'd say. And so, like, if they came out with a new Avengers movie, I don't know if I'd go see it, you know. But then, <laughs> so I was like, I don't know, I don't know. Um, it is the best thing I've seen since Empire Strikes Back. By oh far. wow, Mandalorian it's is the, really great. It's mm-hmm. I it, to me it is it is the truest sequel to Star Wars that should have happened. Like it mm-hmm. is unbelievable. It it explains so much more about the universe. It still has the Force. It still has the other aspects of it. But it's just so nice to see something that's not Skywalker related. Um, that's so different, but understands its tone. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's a Western, mm-hmm. um, and it gets it and it's just, it's so awesome. It's so, you know, and it's got so many good actors. Um, Nick Nolte is awesome in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I have uh, spoken. And I have spoken. <laughs> he's so good. And then, uh, well, Pe- it's Pedro Pascal. He's, mm-hmm. I love him. I love Narcos. I thought he was phenomenal. And to be in <laughs> Mandalorian armor, but you can sense his, his emotion, Mm-hmm. Um, it's so amazing. You can sense yeah. like what face he's making in there. Right. And I, I just, I love that. And John Carlos Esposito, he's, he's in it as well. And, and even, uh, one of my favorite actors, Werner Herzog, because he's so weird and, uh, the talking. And so I love, <laughs> uh, uh, Mandalorian. Uh, it's so, I love so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's awesome. It's, it's, it's worth, it's worth it just getting, um, Disney Plus for that, and then you can mm-hmm. go down the rabbit hole of watching all the stuff from your childhood and enjoying it again. Yeah, um, I like uh, Bill Burr in there too. Yeah, yeah Bill Burr is great. Um, Making fun of uh, Jar Jar Binks basically in one yeah. scene. And, uh, <laughs> and Tycho, well, did you know, realize that was Horatio Sands was the first alien that he got? He got. Yeah, I I looked it up later, but I didn't know yeah. about why. I was like, yeah, and like Jason Sudeikis also. Um, yeah, he was one of the stormtroopers that right. couldn't hit the can. Yeah. 
Yeah. And Adam Polly too. Because like there are yeah. all these names where you're just like like you hear of the voices of the droids or a stormtrooper and like this voice sounds so familiar. Yeah. <laughs> you have to look it up. I know. I, like, was, oh, I, wow. I had to look it up. Yeah. I, had to I didn't even immediately up. recognize Amy Sedaris, even though she wasn't in as much makeup, <laughs> but just the craziness of her hair. Yeah. I had seen I had, I had seen on Twitter that was kind of spoiled for me that she was that her character, so I knew she was coming. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah. And obviously baby, baby Yoda was spoiled for me. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Spoiled for everybody. Oh yeah. But I watched it with Justina, a girlfriend of the show Mm -hmm. and her sister and, uh, I guess sister of the show. I don't know. And, um, our friend Meg, uh, friend of the show and they were losing it whenever he cooed or did anything. (laughs) They're just sitting on a couch together swooning. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, it was great, and um, uh, I, 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 but I have to give it up to to Apollo Creed himself. I mean, come on, oh, that guy, great, yeah. he knows how to he knows how to make a stew. So. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, he, does he age? Does no, he, age for real? he really he doesn't. doesn't. He looks the he same looks, that he did from 15, 20 years ago. He still looks like Action Jackson stacked. I mean, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so uh, I loved. Mando, Mando. So <laughs> <laughs> now, Rob, your your dislike or growing dislike for tent poles is that because of how a lot of franchises have been dumbing it down, or is it just tent poles in general? The idea it's a little bit. It's a little bit of fatigue. Um, mm-hmm. It's yeah. It's a little bit of dumbing it down. It's just so much, you know. Like you know, whereas you have to wait a long time for some of these movies. Now you get them every year, and it just yeah. feels like it's just so much. And a lot of them feel the same. Like I, you know, I didn't really like Captain Marvel or Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like those movies just were not. You know, it's like I watched them because I knew I needed to watch it. And it, you know, <laughs> some of that stuff just wasn't as pleasurable. Mm. And I, you know, obviously, I did not really like Rise of Skywalker. Um, well, Star Wars, I, I think I've come down on like the original trilogy. Trilogy is good, but I don't need any more star wars except for maybe a star wars video game and the mandalorian i mean if they can pull out another mandalorian but in a movie or in another i don't even know if i have the time for a series of star wars like i just don't want to put my time and effort into it that's where i've been totally fatigued out because these last couple of star wars movies have been so incredibly disappointing um particularly one of them (laughs) which i've talked about too much Yeah. yeah I, I feel you on the fatigue. I think where I sit MCU separate from some of the other tent poles is just mm-hmm. that I think even ones that maybe you're not as into, like Captain Marvel or Doctor Strange, they're still done well. They're not yeah. stupid movies. Whereas like you no. look at the Star Wars sequels, you look at Star Trek where it's going now, oh, they're gosh. dumbing it's so stupid. Yeah. And and just People stupid are killing franchises. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. yeah. It, it to me it was like it's like the Watchmen. Because you know, I talked about it on the last one that I was the last pop talk on it, but I love the Watchmen so much, and I'm so happy they're not going to make another season. Not because mm-hmm. it wasn't amazing; I just thought it had a perfect ending. I thought it, it's probably the best show I saw this year, but I'm glad that they're not going to do it anymore. Just because it, it is so good, and it was mm-hmm. such a good ending. It was, and so that's me. It's like sometimes I'm just like, just let it lie. You know, you did a good job. Like move on to something else. You know. Yeah. So, I'm with um, you. I'm with you yeah, on that. One more thing I want to say about this quarantine watching. It's not technically a binge, but and I know Trey, Trey will agree with this one. It's Better Call Saul. 
Oh, it's yeah. been just such a highlight of my week to be able to watch that on Mondays. <laughs> it's so good. And that's one I think we'll get one more season, and, and I think it'll be perfect. I'm going to miss it now, but it's been so great to watch on Monday nights. Um, mm. Such a good start to the week mm-hmm. and such good characters. And if you haven't watched it, it's on Netflix. I think that's the best show that I've seen all year is Better Call Saul. Mm. And, I, and I saw the Mandalorian yeah. pre-quarantine, but I still give it okay. to Better Call Saul. Yeah, mm. They do like 10 episode seasons. I think it's been a year and a half since mm. they did the last season, something like that. It, it was a long break. So they're making sure they kind of do it more like British television does it, mm-hmm. where it's you only do what makes sense for this show. And uh, they've squeezed every ounce of excellence <laughs> out of everybody. Bob Odenkirk didn't even know, I, I think, that he could be this kind of actor. I saw him in a couple of interviews recently, and he's doing great. He's killing it as Jimmy. Uh, and I, I've said this to you, Jason, offline a few times. But the thing about Better Call Saul is, uh, and, and Ray Seahorn has said this, she mm-hmm. thinks Better Call Saul as a show is, is a tragedy. Because you see the road that Jimmy's going down. Jimmy is this likable guy who you want to root for. But you know from Breaking Bad what his future is. Like yeah. if if the prequels could have done this with Anakin Skywalker. Oh, my god! Oh, my God. Yeah. But, but, yeah. <laughs> but Saul is like you – even Odenkirk is like, oh, man, I got to start playing Saul. I hate that guy. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and the writers <laughs> didn't know – because the writers liked Saul when they were doing better call I mean when they were doing Breaking Bad because he was just this funny side character but once they really started writing for Jimmy they fell in love with Jimmy and started hating Saul and that's kind of how how it goes as a viewer um, and and all these other side characters are compelling uh, bringing in Lalo and, and Nacho and all right, and, all right. I haven't watched it, and I will. I'll, uh, I'll watch Better Dave, Call Saul yeah. when I watch Better Call <laughs> Saul. Well, I will say that, that, that Lalo guy. Yeah, you know, I saw somebody say maybe he could be one of the Spider-Man villains. I can't remember that. What was um, uh, no, it's uh, it's Nacho. He, oh, na- really? We saw we Nacho saw Libre. Nacho in Home. So the actor who plays Nacho is Mando, uh, Michael Mando, Michael and so Mando. he played Scorpion. We saw him in that t- end scene in Homecoming. So oh, okay. he goes up. He's the guy who goes up to Michael Keaton and, and is like, word is, you know, Spider-Man's identity. And Michael Keaton says, if I knew it, he'd be dead. And so that that's Nacho from Better Call Saul. And he's, oh, okay. he's going to be apparently Scorpion in the Spider-Man okay, movies. Cool. Well, what have you been watching? What's been your binge list? Not as much binging. Yeah, I I somehow managed to be the one person who's watching less TV in quarantine. (laughs) It's just some weird quirk in how my schedule happened. But Better Call Saul was every Monday for me. Uh, I had to had to watch it. Uh, NCIS, which you know is not on anybody's greatest shows list, and it did. I understand why. (laughs) But it but it's a show that doesn't make mistakes for the most part. So I'd still call it a very good show. I, I've enjoyed it. And what ended up being it's because of pandemic shutting things down season finale was the one with Christopher Lloyd doing a, a, a World War II vet story. Uh, that was that was so compelling that people are calling for Christopher Lloyd to get a, an Emmy for guest acting. Wow. Like that. That was uh, I did hear uh, some, some noise about that. Yeah. Yeah. And then Will and Grace, uh, it's it's second farewell season uh that's been strong and i thought that the series finale which happened two nights ago and the retrospective 
were nice, and the mass singer is a nice uh, um, kind of departure, mm-hmm. a, a good fun show to watch. And they they threw together an after show, I, I assume, because other shows that they had in the pike uh, got shut down, so mm-hmm. they just figured out how to do an after show from <laughs> home. But it ended up being good enough that they pr- should probably do an after show in future seasons. Mm. Oh, cool. Yeah, because they, they brought in like Joel McHale and they brought in Kelly Osborne and mm-hmm. folks like that uh, to just be funny and, and talk about stuff. And, and the person who was voted off that night uh, came in and gave some backstage uh, insight and did a live performance. So oh, it was cool. it was a good thing. Been watching a lot of YouTube. Jason and I have talked about Red Letter Media. Oh, I love and, Red Letter Media. Yeah, yeah they're great. They haven't I been cranking out as much. They haven't been cranking out as much stuff as I thought yeah. they would, but yeah. uh, it's still fun. Yeah, I, I love their reviews. Um, they just yeah, they, they just recently reviewed one of my favorite movies from the '90s, Freaks, with uh, that with has <laughs> Alex Winter in it. It was. Oh yeah, yeah, I watched that episode. That I didn't. I don't I, even. I don't think I remembered that movie I, existing i i loved that movie it was it was one of those where i, I saw it in at, at blockbuster and, and rented it i think four or five times oh, wow. um yeah so yeah they, I lo- they they do a lot of really good stuff that's that is one of my favorite channels to watch i do like that and uh and i also like anderton music's channel but they haven't been able yeah. to do as much either with uh, all this quarantining but um, mm-hmm. I do love uh, them demoing guitars. I love uh, watching I would, yeah. and their guitar, I, I their to, blindfold I, guitar challenges. Yeah, I do. I do watch a lot of YouTube. I would recommend. Um, uh, there's a, a Rick Beato. It's a really good channel. Um, he's a, a musician, a producer, a musician, um, and then another guy named Tim Pierce. Um, Tim Pierce is like one of the top session guitarists in LA. And mm-hmm. he's got a really great channel, and it's just really good if you want to learn about. Uh, Rick Beato does a lot of like what makes this song great, and he goes from like a producer's standpoint of uh, why like hit songs are phenomenal. Um, and uh, I think, uh, I th- yeah, so uh, yeah, that that those are kind of good channels to look at. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one more I'd shout out. It's another guy named Red Shoal, who's a guitarist. I just think I really enjoy his channel as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, yeah, you had definitely a lot of YouTubing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then um, I'd watch oh, I'd watch an episode of Picard and then see how Red Letter Media eviscerated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I just watched Red Letter Media destroy Picard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Next up, speaking of television, we have our mm-hmm. penultimate discussion today, which is late night talk shows at home edition. And mm-hmm. just wanted to sort of handicap those quickly, like not necessarily each one, but which ones do you think have done well? Rob, have you been checking any of them out? Do you think some have maybe transitioned yeah. to this a little bit better than others? I thought Kimmel's done a pretty good job, actually. Um, and Colbert's done pretty good. I, you know, I haven't been watching them as consistently, but I have watched them. Um, I'm a huge John Oliver guy. And so John Oliver, it's, he's doing the best he can. But, and mm-hmm. he, rec- he points out multiple times, this would be a lot funnier if people were laughing. <laughs> uh, and so it's jarring how much you realize the the, the way live audience the live makes audience a huge difference huge difference especially the way he his humor and the way like he likes to get the the la- the crowd laughing it's probably because he was a stand you know most of the guys that were stand ups you mm-hmm. can tell they're used to getting that oh yeah um, and so I you know I thought I you know I think he's doing okay um, I think um, but yeah overall it's it's still awkward. 
it's yeah. you know yeah not how it's suited yeah. and that's not what it's suited mm-hmm. for and uh yeah, yeah. um what yeah. about you trey well I, the the overall comment that i would make before i start naming people is one thing i've noticed is that the interviews are higher quality uh, yes because they're they're not just doing that canned. We did this pre-interview with the producer, so now here are the cards of stuff you're supposed to tee up to. They're actually just having real conversations based on research, or knowing them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, what my hope is that once they're back in the studio, that they continue doing the interviews this way mm-hmm. instead of re- returning back to the the pre-interview canned yeah. tee everything up sort of thing. That's a really good uh, point. A friend of mine, actually, and he and I were, he's a friend here who does comedy, and he was saying that um, people don't really want the polished thing as much as these networks think that they that audiences do, and that he kind of hopes that same thing, that when we get back to quote-unquote normal, that they do actually take this sort of raw, stripped-down approach to how they present well, these mean- discussions. You, you can go look no further than podcast. I mean, podcast mm-hmm. really yeah. changed. I mean, you look at like Joe Rogan, I guarantee more people are downloading Joe Rogan than watching Stephen Colbert. And I mean, or, you know, or you made it weird or any of the ones where it's like longer form interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, Just because one is once a week, maybe twice a week and the other is five nights mm-hmm. a week. So like yeah, people sure. kind of, yeah. people can automatically know like, ah, I can catch up uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> with him later this week. Uh, it'll mm-hmm. be on tomorrow night. But yeah, I, that's mm-hmm. still a good point. Um, and also the style that Joe Rogan does his discussions and Mark Maron does his discussions, they mm-hmm. they don't have to be as tight as they are. Right. Yeah. And what I do think they should do is the research. They should continue to mm-hmm. get as much research out there just so you can send the person out there with a bunch of information. But yeah, like let's not feed them some line so they can get into the anecdote of what happened on their recent vacation mm-hmm. that sort of stuff there's something about that stuff that people pick up on and feel because it's mm-hmm. not real and that's even something mm-hmm. like uh there's an old story about george clooney it was two or three different famous women juliana margulies was one of them where they came to him and said like hey you're good at interviews they want me to have a story i don't have any stories what story should i tell and he gave these women the same story and so they went on they went on leno or letterman and they they told the same anecdote and the thing is like even if people don't catch that i think subconsciously people pick up on that that Mm -hmm. this isn't real that this is there's something that feels false here here and it's because they're still kind of acting and on and mm-hmm. right now in these at-home shows, they're not on. They're just like, mm-hmm. huh, hey, buddy, how you doing? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. let's just goof around how we can one, goof around. One thing that's always stood out in my memory is back when Brandon Routh was promoting Superman Returns, and he was on Leno. And he was, it was supposed to be just the typical talk show, set up the clip, and we'll throw to it. And Brandon Routh started actually getting interesting to me. Because he started explaining how they did the special effect and how they were shooting, how they created. It was the scene where he saves the plane at the beginning Mm -hmm. when he first returns. And so he was explaining that particular special effect. And that's when I was starting to sit at the edge of my seat because it it was like, finally, somebody's giving me detail and information (laughs) I want. And that's when Leno said, well, let's just go to the clip. I was like, you bastard. (laughs) (laughs) That was interesting. 
Well, what shows have you gotten into uh, these at-home editions? Who do you think has, has done a good job? I think Fallon was the first one to, to really do great with at home uh, because and I, you and I speculated uh, offline that is maybe because he was so quick to embrace social media and mm-hmm. short form content when he was launching late night. Right. Yeah. And, and so I think he really knew how to do these kinds of things at home. And, and you look at even when he would when everybody was just doing short form Internet only he was even the first one to go to doing a fully realized episode on TV. Mm-hmm. He, he did it so quick. He did it quicker than the network realized because they were still promoting repeat episodes mm-hmm. when they were actually airing new at-home episodes. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it feels like the show he does in the studio. Like he did right. uh, Don't Stand So Close to Me with The Roots and Sting. And yeah. it was basically the mu- the school musical instruments bit, and it's still and that it, gallery view, just like they have to. They do yeah. a lot of times when they do the uh, like they did it with the Avengers. Um, right. They had the Avengers come on to sing something, and they like it looked like Brady Bunch, and that's what they had right. to do with this song you're talking about. Right, and he had the Dude Perfect people on doing mm-hmm. the at home trust uh, stuff, so it, it was great. Uh, and, and I agree with Rob about Kimmel. I think Kimmel's done great at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and what both Fallon and Kimmel have done, uh, they've uh, incorporated their families pretty well mm-hmm. in, in a way that is endearing. Uh, like both sets of kids will, will do the graphics for their dads, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And Kimmel. Well, I mean, Kimmel's got an advantage, though. He married his head writer. So. Yeah, true. that's, that's true. very true. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, he's got somewhat of an advantage, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and one thing I loved was when Tom Holland was the guest. I don't know if either of you saw this one. I didn't. But Tom Tom Holland was an interviewee, and that happened to be the day that Kimmel's son was having his birthday. And Spider Man is his favorite character, oh, yeah. like talked about oh, a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so they went to the commercial break, Techno. Technically a commercial break, but I'm sure it was just, hey, kids, come here. And so Tom Holland's there in his little makeshift Spidey costume. It looked like the proto costume <laughs> that he had in the movies. Yeah. And and Tom Holland did his uh, Peter Parker voice and accent. Oh, wow. Just just for the boy. And was like, hey, I'm from Queens. I mean, it's great. Where are you from? And all this stuff just to make the boy feel good. That's and then really they started sweet. singing happy birthday to him, and Holland had his uh, roommates with him, so it was a makeshift audience. So they came in and sang happy birthday to the boy. And it, yeah. So moments like that, there are a lot of those kind of moments, I, I think, that both Kim, Kimmel and Fallon have done great. Uh, Conan's also done great. Uh, I, I especially enjoyed when he was doing the bit of uh, doing the tour of his house, making fun <laughs> yeah. of how, how celebrities yeah. are out of touch. <laughs> and showing how vast their homes are while we're all at home and using mm-hmm. the, the Zoom function. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that was funny. Uh, I, I think when Seth Myers finally figured out what room he needed to be shooting in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the that, jokes that are always good, but the audio threw me off so much early on, yeah. yeah I yeah. bailed out of his first a closer look from the from home because I couldn't hear it well. Mm-hmm. And, Very echoey. You know, yeah, I mean, why did I? I know that he was self-aware of it because the second a closer wor- look, where he was also in the hallway, he said, "We saw your comments. We know the audio's bad, but it's like, why would you choose a hallway?" <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that yeah, make sense. it seems like he's in a different location than he was in those first couple of uh, episodes, but I don't know. 
Um, uh, like not just the location of the house, but like place he's in. Um, no, it's still his house. It is, he's in the crawl space of his house now, or at least yeah. he said. Okay, uh, yeah. it's just, I guess yeah. that. I wonder, but, but maybe bits. he's moved since he is. He had his lobby baby. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But his bits are great. Like Amber Ruffin yeah. did an Easter parade. Yeah, and, and they did Amber the Ruffin's coronavirus clutch. PSA. Yeah, man, that that stuff is great. Yeah, I agree with all the, all the things you guys are saying. I think when it, the way I've handicapped this is, personality-wise, I feel like. Jimmy got the swing of things first, and mm-hmm. um, and Jimmy also Fallon, Jimmy Fallon. Yes, uh, I've heard there are a million people with the uh, some yeah, way Jimmy. of saying James that have a talk show. Um, but he, Jimmy Fallon, the thing that made his late night so good was just his energy, and mm-hmm. the thing that has been a downside on his. And I still like his Tonight Show, but the downside of his Tonight Show. I I feel like our producers trying to change that and these at home shows are going back to like, it's just him. We just mm-hmm. like him, like just let him be him and continue to just be spontaneous and goofy and fun. And it's been really like bringing a lot of joy to see his kids either giggle or get mad <laughs> or not mm-hmm. care. And then like him and his wife uh, talking and like their, their interactions have been really sweet. And I think that's been something good for people. And I think his personality has really uh, come through because he's in his space and he's yeah. not having to deal with anyone trying to change how he approaches things. So I think that's been really good. Uh, and he's the real life Tom Hanks from big. Right. We've got a slide in his house. And then Conan, his style of humor is really good for this because he's a riff machine. Like he, that's what makes his, his remotes on late night, just legendary. That's what makes his podcast so good. And uh, that's what makes him fun behind the scenes when you see or hear anything about him in the writer's room. He's still adapting because his style of humor works. And then the other thing I would say is from the way the shows looked, before stay at home and now i think the one that is the closest is john oliver's last week tonight because it was yes. always just him sitting in a suit pretty close-up shot with a pretty blank background and yeah. he's able yeah. to to do that in his place and so it i think there's less of a jump watching old clips from when he was in his hbo studio to home now um mm-hmm. you don't have to like adjust as much your expectations in watching his show, but everyone else you have to adjust a lot. Um, oh, yeah. So that's how I handicap all of them. One show we didn't mention because it's not a talk show, but I think deserves mention is Saturday Night Live. Uh, yeah. Doing that at home edition. Uh, I really there was not that. a bad sketch in that episode. I agree. There have been people who were like, I have heard people dog it. But I thought it was really strong. I've heard a lot of people say a lot of good things about it, but I even saw something that said like Maybe we can have an SNL uh, in, during times of quarantine, but it's not this. And it's like, hmm, what do you want it to be? What do you think it could possibly be? Yeah, I thought it was great. And sketches I, I thought that could have been in any episode were Middle-Aged Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah. and, mm-hmm. and, and the Twitch, the, mm-hmm. the, uh, where Mikey Day was the guy on Twitch playing video games, getting his ass beat. Yeah, and, and Drake's song is... A, a classic SNL sketch, and that'll go mm-hmm. down in history as a classic. 
I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that we've talked about talk shows, let's jump into this bracket. So uh, we're not going to talk about each person on the bracket and how they got there. We're just going to sort of uh, go through each division uh, quickly and just sort of mm-hmm. say a little bit about how how I put it together. So I tried <laughs> to get as many people as I could in, and that's why you're going to see things on it like Nikki and Sarah versus Carson Daly or George Lopez versus Space Ghost. I know Space Ghost and Scott Ackerman were hosting fake shows and it was all scripted, but I really wanted them in. Uh, So I I got them in here. And so uh, it's like a play-in game during the NCAA tournament. And top left, that's maybe, uh, maybe you can use like traditional or whatever. That's the Johnny Mm -hmm. Carson um, being the basically, he's Johnny Carson's the number one seed there. And uh, I tried to match people that felt like they worked within that groove. And then top right, you got David Letterman. That one I did a pretty good job, I think, matching Mm -hmm. uh, the tone of style of humor. And also Mm -hmm. you have uh, Jimmy Kimmel in there and Craig Kilborn, who are Letterman disciples. I mean, let's just Well, and then the literal replacement was Stephen Colbert. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then you have people like Scott Ackerman, who's so like sarcastic and, and it, uh, it's just, it feels like it's cut from the same cloth. Yeah. Bottom left, you have the Jay Leno section and, um, that one I'm, I, I somewhat <laughs> you put did together. You know what you did. You I know what, what I'm doing. I, I'm trying to, I, I wanted, I wanted people to put Conan over Jay Leno. I wanted yes. to give people that option. <laughs> do a, and a everyone, and, unless, you, unless you live in Minnesota, uh, <laughs> <laughs> minute, uh, you're going to pick Conan. So. <laughs> yeah, and then also, like, you know, Arsenio, I think, had a little beef with Jay Leno. So that's kind of that's kind yeah. of what that side is. And then bottom right, uh, Steve Allen's in there. He started The Tonight Show before, yep. it was, just when it was called Tonight on NBC. Mm-hmm. And so many things that exist in late night comedy talk shows he did first desk pieces man on the street like he did so many things that have always been a part of late night talk shows that other people did and did let in a legendary way he did it first so that's why he's a that's why he's a number one seed that's why he's where he is and it this bracket this portion of the bracket this division it's a, a lot of people who like we have a lot of HBO people or, or mm-hmm. something like that. And also like people who sort of did their own thing, like a John Stewart. So where do you see your heart breaking? Cause you're going to have to make a choice between two people. Oh, uh, it's going to, it's going to be um, probably like having to, to shoot down, you know, Colbert or someone yeah. like that to, for David Letterman. Just cause right. I don't know. I don't know how he doesn't, yeah, I you know if, if, if you know fast forward, I, I don't know how it's not Conan versus David, and that's yeah. you know that's to me, um, and, you know as much as great as Johnny Carson was, um, and, and some of his bits still hold up. It's just mm-hmm. I don't know. It's our age and maybe just what we you know what I think I grew up on, and and definitely the Comedy Central aspect. I think people forget that Conan used to be on every day on Comedy Central, and mm-hmm. so in college, so I watched Conan all the time. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's so it's like for our generation, I think Conan was more of our guy than Leno ever was. Yeah. But, you know, I still love Letterman. Yeah. So. That's the, know, that's where I'm at. Yeah. 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 Trey, what about you? Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd say the selection committee did a pretty good job of uh, <laughs> uh, spreading everything out. Uh, 
the the seedings make sense. I it it's a tough matchup in round one. Ferguson versus Corden for the battle of the late late show. Yeah, uh, host. <laughs> but but I'd have to go Ferguson because I one point that we were talking about with the late night host is that not having the canned pre-interview uh, Ferguson was was great on just having the research. Yeah, and I actually saw his show in person his last week, mm. and it was just so much energy. Yeah, I love Ferguson. And the interesting first round matchup that the selection committee put together is Trevor Noah versus Seth Myers. That is, that's a yeah, hard one. That's a, that's hard, a hard one, one for me. That was, Trevor, um, Trevor yeah, I'm sorry about me. that. Like yeah, that, Trevor's that first round. On me. That's a hard one because he he like I would have easily probably a year ago I would have said I'll oh, Seth by a mile, but like. Trevor's really grown on me. Just like his, a lot of his clips he has, he's just got good stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and he's done really, he, actually, we didn't talk about him, but he's done really well the last couple of weeks um, during mm -hmm. this, I think. Um, just, yeah, I was uh, kind of in a position there. I didn't want to put Seth Myers versus Samantha mm -hmm. B any more than I wanted to put Seth Myers against Trevor Noah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then like Dennis Miller to me made mm -hmm. more sense to put where I put him against John yeah, Oliver right. uh, mm -hmm. than to put him in the Jay like Leno one. But he yeah, also I, had I, beef yeah. a little bit with uh, with Leno, so maybe, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Another one's hard for me is Kimmel versus Kilborn because I love Kurt Kilborn so much. Yeah. But Kimmel has meant so much more in the last couple of years to me. Agreed. Um, yeah. Obviously because of his son and just the mm -hmm. way he handled that. Um, I just like Jimmy Kimmel a lot and just, you know, from listening to him on podcasts and things like that. Um, and so, but I, you know, I mean, Kilborn, you know. Yeah, he's the one who created The Daily Show, even though yeah. what well, we see now is nothing yeah. like it. Well, uh, Liz Winstead really created The Daily Show oh, yeah. and then he just, he, he was just the the first host and mm. um, had a big impact, but, uh, had a huge yeah. impact when he did that and he had a huge impact on ESPN, of course. And then his Late Late Show was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I liked it. Yeah. I, liked I think it. if he hadn't decided to bail on that for as quickly as he did, because that apparently was his decision to go develop stuff, then yeah. uh, it, it, I think it would have been a harder choice uh Kilborn versus Kil kimmel but mm -hmm. you're right i think kimmel's done so great mm -hmm. uh poor yeah. poor larry wilmore uh yeah i know yeah he's so funny but larry uh, wilmore is great but it really was yeah. sort of like his show didn't last that long so it, he just ended up in the seating the way it did and it's like well mm -hmm. no matter like who am i gonna put him up against colbert Fallon, yeah, so he just, O'Brien, or John Stewart. Be, like it just it's going to be a repeat of how his his show went down. Is basically <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. But, um, but I, I see John Oliver versus John Stewart for the final four. Yeah, uh, I would agree to that. In that, mm -hmm. that bracket, I'm a little bit older than you two, so the way that you're describing Conan is how I look at Letterman. Figured, uh, yeah. So so Letterman is more my guy, and and I see Carson going deep. Uh, Oh yeah, uh, I mean Carson's you know, going I, Final Four maybe, but like, yeah, that, I, this is what's going to be tough for me: Fallon versus Carson, Seth Meyers versus Trevor Noah. But like I said, like it it would have been that, or it would have been Seth Meyers versus John Oliver or Samantha B. Mm -hmm. And it's just like no matter mm -hmm. what, it's just going to be tough. Yeah. Um, also tough when it happens: Conan versus Carson, mm -hmm. and Colbert's going to be tough for me. Like I, I'll, I'll have him. It'll probably be Colbert versus Letterman, and I'll probably go Colbert. Yeah. But if really? I'm just talking, yeah. But if I'm just talking, then like, of course, Letterman's in the in the championship yeah. game, of course. Yeah. 
But I just it's, don't it's, know right now. It's hard. If it's but it also with Stephen Colbert, it's a weird one because it's like you gotta you gotta do. It's like the the two sides. This, you know the, mm-hmm. the Late Show with him, but then you also got the Colbert Report. Right. Report, and Col- and, yeah. And, and so, <laughs> Colbert Report is just so good. And then like so even good. if you do put like Colbert in the final four, he's probably going up against Jon Stewart. So that's going to yeah, be tough. That's a hard um, yeah. Yeah, so, For me, it's an easy letterman over Colbert because I'm not as into Colbert as you two are. I adore yeah. Colbert. Um, Colbert is one of my heroes. I want. I literally want Stephen Colbert to be my mentor. Yeah. Well, I one thing I had said to you years ago is the thing about Letterman that most of these other hosts can't say. Colbert is actually one who can say this. Well, actually, he can't. He even, he even can't say this. But Letterman launched two different franchises that are yeah. enduring. Yeah. Late yeah. night, yeah. late and night, late and show. late show, and they're two yeah. great. And and like late night is arguably the like the best of all time because it's never had a bad host. It's all had. Mm-hmm great hosts and like three yeah, of them and, are legendary <laughs> like, and i would and i would i would fight tooth and nail that that conan was conan's twelve thirty shows my favorite show oh so, yeah i mean, I mean so, like, i'm i'm in that boat with you right there yeah. so yeah well i think I mean, it goes back to what you all were saying earlier that yeah. conan during the writer strike and current conan now is just being himself as the riff machine i think mm-hmm. his twelve thirty show was his was the most him Yes. Whereas everything else, they tried to do the overly polished producers changing him a little bit. Even he if he thought that he needed, stuff. he had something to do with that. <laughs> that was more but, him changing. Yeah, um, yeah. But, I, I agree. I mean, but when you don't have, when you don't have Pitbot three thousand, you don't have. <laughs> That's true. Staring the staring contest with him and Andy, and but they did like bring that. back it's, the year two thousand. I know, I know, but I'm just, he's just got. He does have. I would say, if you really think about it, he's got the most bits. That besides Carson's bits, you can really remember that I can't remember. That's in that's in popular culture. David Letterman's got a lot of funny stuff, but I can't think of anything that's like, oh yeah, that's like such a signature David Letterman skit. That I mean, stupid human tricks or stupid yeah. tricks, maybe. But like, yeah, Conan, I mean, Conan, those yeah. two should be going up against each other. I would yeah. say in the finals. Two more questions. One: Who do you pick, George Lopez or Space Ghost? <laughs> Space Coast. Space Coast. <laughs> That's probably yeah. my, my pick, too. I'm coast sorry, to George coast. Lopez. Coast. Um, <laughs> you, get, you get Barack from, or Barack from that. So, yeah. Yeah. There's too many good stuff. And, it was such a good show. Yeah. And uh, final question. So what we're going to do here is we're going to all do our brackets and we're going to post it online. And I hope you, the listener, does this as well. And what I would like for everyone to do is a little hashtag. So the last question, I guess this is what we're creating together. What should the hashtag be? So that it's like unique to what we're doing here. Should it just be like as simple as hashtag late night hosts? What's a fun hashtag that we can get trending that for this bracket? Mm. Asking mm. us that on the spot. Well, that's what literally what I do with every other guest on the show. Yeah. <laughs> well, you haven't done it with me before. That's so. true. That's true. Oh, well, the guest guest, not the pop talk. Episode oh, so I'm not a guest. I understand. Yeah. Come on. I see how you are. You know, it's not an interview. <laughs> um, have you on? Say, um, late night SmackDown. Ooh. How about or okay or now? There's a late night host. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we just need a few hashtags. Yeah. Late night to the death. <laughs> How about like uh, late night and chill? 
Like, or who do you want to watch while you're smoking weed and uh, eating Taco Bell? That's a long. Hashtag. That's a long one. That's, That's a long, long one. one. <laughs> but there's also like, I guess you could do late night wars. You could do late there's night a wars. book. There's a book of that. Ah, we don't want to get confused with Bill Carter's book. Uh, it's just relatable. Late shift. You don't want to get sued book. for uh, the yeah. late shift. Yeah, that's what <laughs> it's I was late thinking. shift. No clicking. <laughs> well, like, yeah. Since he's not in it, <laughs> it'd be kind of cold to be <laughs> reference him and be like, "Hey, he didn't make the cut." Like Chevy Chase and Magic Johnson. <laughs> oh, Magic! <laughs> Wait, those two didn't make the cut, did they? No, no, they did not make the cut. Oh. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, Magic, they were just Magic. under. The people that did make the cut. Their shows yeah. were canceled so fast. Magic even retooled the show and still and got canceled like, fast. Yeah, and then also like the ratings for both were so low that they, they just got yeah. like Chevy Chase could have gotten in, and maybe probably should have. <laughs> no, he had no. a good opening sequence, claymation version of him running through mm-hmm. obstacles and stuff. But after it, that, it it is. He's, it is, in fairness, a smack in the face that Space Ghost is in it and Chevy Chase is not. And I'm well, sorry. You know, you know what would be happy about that decision? Dan Harmon. So. <laughs> yeah. The selection committee was not a Chevy Chase talk show fan. No. no. They were much like the first cast of SNL. <laughs> yeah, the, the hashtag will be, you're Chevy Chase and you're not on this bracket. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, there it is. Thanks so much for being on the podcast again, fellas. Thanks. Thanks. This was fun doing it with uh, yeah. three way. Yes. <laughs> and you know what Justin Timberlake says. So. There it is. Right. Oh my gosh! No, it's not right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, get in on the bracket fun and share yours with us using the hashtags Late Night Smackdown and Now There's a Late Night Host or even hashtag Late Night and Chill. And at us, please, at There It Is Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Follow us. Get that bracket. You can also go to thereitispod.com to find the bracket and to check out our updated blog on upcoming festivals. We're also going to have a festivals you could submit to in the month of May blog ups on the 1st, on this Friday. So go back to thereitispod.com to check that out. And don't forget to subscribe to our Comedy Lifestyle newsletter. It is a newsletter designed for comedians and performers and artists and creatives. So go check that out. Links in bio. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. Thank you.